Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz, with you for a very special show. Sammy's with me, as always, for the intro. Big day! Big day. We're trying something new out. We're going to give you a little more bang for your buck, not that you're paying anything for the podcast, but we <laughs> love you so much. We're giving you not one, but two interviews this week on the show. Um, so the main interview, the main event, the newcomer to the podcast, we're always going to have someone um, that's never been on the show. This week is Sebastian Stan, star of The Bronze out in the theaters this Friday, a wild, wacky, crazy comedy that he uh, is kind of flexing some new muscles in. Mm. Um, and uh, speaking of muscles, he's also well known as the Winter Soldier. There we go. Look at that segue. There we go. Uh, so he is, he's kind of like the main guy, but a special bonus. I mean, also a pretty special dude, a main guy in his own right. We're catching up with Miles Teller. So Miles dropped by today. Um, and I think we, we might experiment with this just to, on occasion, um, bring people in for shorter conversations that have been on the podcast podcast before, maybe catch up with them. Miles, of course, has the new Divergent movie, mm -hmm. Allegiant Part 1. Um, I'm actually off to see the movie momentarily. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll report back to you next week on it. Um, but uh, yeah, Miles dropped by to uh, catch us up on... To show you his new haircut. His new haircut. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> That's on... exclusively why he came, right? Yeah, you guys are going to love his haircut <laughs> that you won't be able to see. Right, that you can hear. <laughs> um, but no, it was actually a really... It's always fun. He's one of my favorite interviews, um, uh, Miles, because he will say anything he uh, talked a lot about Allegiant, of course, but also um, those rumors, those Han Solo rumors about talking about being up for that role. Uh, I'm sure he's talking about that. He's, <laughs> he he, he, that. I, oh, look, I would, I would be perfectly happy to yeah. see Miles uh, give a give that uh, a role a shot. Um, he's also it's uh, awkward as Sebastian Stan came in right after, and he's like, <laughs> "I'm gonna do Han Solo." No, he's got plenty of other exciting things. Uh, we also uh, talk a little bit about the post um, Fantastic Four. Um, what do we call it? <laughs> yeah, that's the word. I mean, you know, uh, but uh, Miles is very frank in terms of what went down on that and in terms of looking back on on um, the reception cool. to it. So um, I think you guys are going to enjoy this conversation with Miles Teller. I know I did. And uh, we'll catch you on the other side. And, uh, catch you on the flip side. Catch you on the flip side with Mr. Sebastian Stan. But for now, uh, the one and only dynamically short-haired, <laughs> charismatic <laughs> Miles Teller. Miles Teller. Um, what's your viewership? What's your listeners? You asked you me that of, last time. Miles. I know, I know. Are you about the same? Or? No, no, we're, we're, we're kind of petering out. Are you? <laughs> this is it. This is, no one told you this is the last episode? Miles Teller joining Sad, us sad, confused. <laughs> sad, sad, pathetic. <laughs> Um, thanks for returning to the podcast. Of course, yeah, I'll absolutely. Have you, I'll have you know you're the only the second person we've had on twice. I made a point, frankly, of not bringing people back. I right. want to kind of keep it fresh. Right. But I had to make an exception for this guy. Well, availability. <laughs> the other one, Al Pacino. You're in good company, buddy. <laughs> Me and Al. <Yeah>. Perfect. <laughs> Great. Is all well with you? Yeah, all's well. Um, you're allegianting right now. You're in mid-allegiant. Yes, Middle Legion, and yeah, so I just got done doing the junket. They paired me up with Zoe, which I think was a wonderful choice I was gonna say, I was, by the studio. I was wondering who they would pair you up with, who got the yeah. short end of the straw this time, and it was Zoe. I mean, you got the short end. I mean, right, oh, yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> How was that dynamic? Uh, it was great. I mean, Zoe and I, we, we keep saying that we think Peter and Christina should should have their own 
kind of love story Absolutely. because there's all of these. I know everyone gets caught up in the factions and what's going on with Triss, but look, Triss has found four. Peter and Christina have been right next to each other since the beginning. She had Will at one point. Right. He's dead. <laughs> so. Let nature take its course. Exactly. All this talk about factions gets people amped up. Right. And. <laughs> I don't know. Having now been, a, 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 you're now a, an esteemed veteran of a multi-million dollar franchise, having gone through this a couple times. One, only one. <laughs> <laughs> we never know about the other one. You never know. Fantastic Two going to be hey, great. You might know. <laughs> <laughs> one is a solid place that to be. Um, but yeah, one is good. Is it, is it enjoyable that, you know, to do all the press and stuff? Like, it's not all on your shoulders. You get to have, like, often I feel like people in the reviews are like, Miles Curley has the most fun in these films. Like he's, he's kind of like popping off the screen where like he, Peter gets to have a, a bit of fun as, at the expense of others. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that the writers kind of did a good job of that in the beginning. Peter, when you're adapting these, these characters from a book, they're written a certain way, but then you have an actor come in and maybe the actor has a certain set of skills that you want to, to kind of use. And I've always kind of been able to, just be, you know, throw some throw some lines out there, and yeah. I enjoy comedy and and being able to bring some humor elements to the franchise. I, I think it is important, and it's nice to have a kind of a character that can add some levity to the situation right. because it is it's a fairly like serious tone. I mean, people are are dying and people are getting shot, and it's fairly you know there's some adult themes working there, and then yeah, I get to play a guy who. Just comes in. It's funny. Every time I come on set, it, I, you know, whatever, I just come in and crack some jokes and then I leave and then I, I let Trist kind of take care of saving the world. So right. it's a nice, I, I have a lot of fun with it. I'll, I'll miss it when it's gone. And yeah, and, uh, yeah I, I like where Peter's went. I didn't enjoy him so much in the first movie. When I'm like, okay, I stabbed this guy in the eye because he's two slots or a spot ahead of me on this um, dauntless training. Yeah. A scoreboard and oh and now I do this and and I, it was just kind of like mean and bullying for the sake of bullying but I liked an insurgent where I actually end up saving Triss's life and you see that he he believes in in um kind of restoring you know the faith a little bit or if somebody helps him out okay yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I gotta get there back now does, does it feel like a, a kind of a, a comfort to kind of have this kind of like to go back to every year for a few years oh for sure yeah because once it's done then you're like oh man and I hope and I'm you know I've, I've done well for myself and, and I hope to to never really be in a position where I have to do something to pay my rent, although that is a very real, it's a very real thing. I think young actors especially get criticized too hard for some of the choices they make when if you're in your 20s and you're leading any kind of film or if you're getting cast in any film that's being made and you actually um, get paid for it, like, that's a wonderful opportunity. I can't tell you how many, how many um, extremely talented actors that I went to to NYU with, to, to Tish with, who I see, you know, popping up in commercials. And that's because it, it takes a while. It just, you know, it's, it's tough. Well, and it's also, as you know, such a fickle business where it's like, if they're willing to put you in a lead role of something that may have some issues, but it's like the money's there and it's a, it's a decent, and you believe in maybe an aspect or two of it, who knows if they're going to come calling in two years. So I, yeah. I, it is understandable. For folks that may be like on the outside looking in like, oh, why would he take that piece of shit? Come on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think that it's a little, you know, it's a little harsh. Um, 
What, what's, <laughs> well, is, I think we, this is the first time we've chatted since uh, Fantastic Four, and, uh, and I talked to you a lot during that one. Yeah. Do you have some perspective on it? Do you feel like the wounds are too fresh still? Or is No, I, I heal. I'm the Wolverine <laughs> of, uh, of critical misses, Josh. I... It is funny though. It's like every drama I've made has pretty much been reviewed almost at like ninety percent. Right. Every comedy and or f- franchise I've tried to make is you know fifty or less, <laughs> usually by a good margin. But it's you know people think that when you make something like a Fantastic Four that that doesn't do well, people think oh you phoned it in, and I couldn't. It, it couldn't be more untrue. You work harder on the bad films or the films that turn out maybe not the way you intended but yeah. you work harder because it's just not something's not working and you know it but I, I feel bad because that movie becomes a bit of a and I thought it was kind of unjustly critiqued in that way there was much there are even bigger bombs uh, if you're looking at how much money went into the production and then what they reaped back. But I, I think that it's unfortunate a movie like that becomes a kind of a scarlet letter on a resume when so many talented people worked really hard and maybe, you know, a handful of people, um, you know, took it in a negative direction. But yeah. so many people worked really hard on that that are so talented and that's that's just the way it goes. Is is there a lesson learned on like the next of opportunity like that that comes around in terms of anything that's within your control? Because it, it, so much of it is frankly out of your control. But like, yeah. are there things to look for that you're going to look for next time to avoid a situation like that? Or? I mean, I feel like I, yeah. I mean, even going into that one, I f- it's like, okay, what was this director's you know last film or two? Chronicle, yeah. awesome. On, Who yeah, are these paper, producers? All, yeah. Simon Kimberg and you know Hutch Park and these top notch people that ran studios. And then who's the cast? Oh my gosh, I couldn't have picked a better cast. So I, th- I mean, what I think is, I think it was Clooney said, you can make a uh, good movie out of a bad script. You can't make. Uh, you can't make no you can make a bad movie out of a good script you can't make a good movie out of a bad script and that's very true so i would say if they're telling you maybe your part's not as big and they say oh we're gonna you're gonna be bigger in the sequel or oh we're gonna we're gonna rewrite and we're gonna we're yeah we're gonna take in all these notes if you're in a position where you can say hold off i'm not signing off on this dotted line until this script is exactly what you want it then you're in a very fortunate position because i know actors that have been in literally Oscar-nominated, Oscar-winning performances who've told me that script, it was a struggle every day to get it to a place where we wanted it. And we were always fighting for the best version of it. So, you know, it's... uh, (laughs) You do your best to make a judgment call and you hope for the best. Yeah, and I I think early on in my career, or before my career even started, I think I thought that uh, it would be, it you know, because you look at guys like a Leo and... You know, even Shia, really, to a certain extent, you think you're so protective over your resume and you want everything to be this building block and and get noticed in a certain light. And then you realize that's just not how it happens. And that so much of it as an actor is out of your control. I think where you can have more control is uh, a by just doing more films, you your voice maybe garners a certain more attention. But for me, I'm starting to produce now. And I think that's a nice way to be able to protect uh, protect 
not just yourself, but protect the story you want to tell. Because really, for us, we're just a part of this story. The director has a vision, studio has a vision, producers, uh, you know, the writer initially, and then the actors. So it's a, uh, you know, it's all got to, it's all got to come together. Uh, are any of the ones in production now something you're producing? Or? No, I'm doing, there's this one, it's called The Stopwatch Gang. It's about a group of bank robbers kind of joined uh, in Canada in the 80s and guys in their 20s. And it's just this crazy story. Did some pretty big heists, came, became known as the Stopwatch Gang, got busted, broke out, got busted, broke out. Guy, my character, he ended up writing his book about the stopwatch game became a best-selling novel. The woman who was editing it while he was in prison ended up marrying him. He then relapsed, tried to rob a bank at like 60, went back. It's it's a crazy story, um, but it's just that you root for, it's kind of like, do you ever see that Linkletter film, The Newton Boys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's kind of my nice. pitch on it. I love that movie. And the other one, Home is Burning, we just got that screenplay in, Jonathan Levine. Uh, is going to direct it, and yeah. we're hoping to get that going uh, first quarter next year. So I, I, I'm curious. Had the um, I'm excited to see what you and Todd Phillips and Jonah have not That oh, that's that yeah. I think you guys are going to be seeing a trailer pretty soon. Yeah. Oh, very hard movie to shoot because Todd, for the budget he brings these movies in, he really gets a huge world out of it and what you then what's it called now does it, it have a it's called war dogs war dogs okay. yes it's like arms and the dudes for a while or something right like yeah. but i guess and because that's what the article was called right. from rolling stone right. but that's not a part of the lexicon so when we were throwing that out there arms and the dudes people were kind of confused by the tone of it i guess or, or whatever um but yeah we were in i mean we were in romania we were in morocco we were in la we were in vegas we we're in miami and we basically every two weeks for 10 weeks we we're in a different city or country so it was tough but i've been work, wanting to work with todd phillips since yeah i remember early on in my career i got offered project x and footloose at the same time i didn't know really what my character was going to be in project x because mm -hmm. everything was so I mean, it was called Project X. Everything was so under wraps. Right. But I remember thinking, like, if I had to choose, it'd be very tough. Because even just working with Todd as a producer, like, I wanted to get in the comedy thing. And he was, to me, he was, like, well, old school and Well, he's a fascinating hangover. guy, too. I mean, yeah. just like, well, I mean, if people don't know, like, his background even before, all like, the, the comedies, like the docs he did, uh, yeah. uh, the, the hazing doc and Gigi Allen stuff. Like, Frat he, House. He's an interesting Fra guy. Have you seen Frat House? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he gave it to me. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, and then the parents were like, no, we'll sue you. That's right. If you, because <laughs> right. it premiered, I think it's Sundance. And they said, if this comes out, because you got all these kids' signatures while they were drunk exactly. on video, we're going to sue you. Yeah. Is that even and Taxi what? Cab Confessions, that's Todd, that's too. Right. He's, in, he's yeah. in that. Yeah, he started he that. <laughs> um, I feel we've actually, we've been talking about Han Solo for a few years, you and I. I feel like it's come, oh, up, sure, come, yeah. I feel like it's come up in conversation. Who knows? I'm looking at a. Name full, you know, board full of names, New York folks. You know, I'm sure there's some on that list as well. Cast, it's um, uh, Justin who would I cast on that list? I would cast Paul Giamatti. <laughs> <laughs> or, um, have you met with Lauren Miller? Uh, with who? Lauren Miller. <laughs> you just like eased back into your seat. <laughs> <laughs> like, so uh, have so, you met with um, the directors? Yeah. Um, I've met Lord and Miller before. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Do you want, I have an idea. If my career is going to come crashing down, I, it's not going to be On in my this. Podcast? It's not going to be in your podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, the word is that Chewbacca is going to be in it. Do you want to do an impromptu audition? I'll be Chewy. You can be Han. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, if, if I knew about that at the time, I would have read for Chewy. <laughs> Too much, uh, you know. Let me let me hide behind the suit. <laughs> okay, last question on this: Have you practiced in the mirror a little bit of your Han Solo? Have you? Have you never? I had never even seen. Uh, any of the original Star Wars movies until maybe a month before or a couple weeks before my first audition because I was like, I should check this out. <laughs> um, Pretty good. It Pretty holds good up. Movies. It holds up. <laughs> and I just love Harrison Ford. I think that's a great character. I love his brand of, I mean, so many guys would have played that part just so wrong and he had humor at the right times but he's masculine but he's not afraid to be Harrison Ford can, is a very big actor when you see the facial expressions and the things he makes he goes big yeah. but he's just always he's just always the coolest guy in the room and he's got all those great qualities so you can be the coolest guy in the room you're in the coolest guy in this room right now I mean it's not so hard gosh <laughs> what it's, it's me you and a <laughs> Darth Vader Cheerios box. So. <laughs> He's being literal. It's truly, there's an actual Darth Vader. And there's a picture of Michael Shannon as a non-sexual escort. It's a really good sketch. You can check it out. Uh, any, Michael Shannon, anything he's that he does is kind of the best. I loved him in, was it Mud, when he's the scuba diver? Mud, take Great, shelter. Yeah. I just saw Midnight Special, the new one. Oh, him. man, I'm jealous. It's good. It's good stuff, man. Um, okay, so uh, I'm going to see Allegiant tonight. I'll see you at the premiere, hopefully. Cool. What are you off to do next? What's the next? Uh, I'm working on something right now. Hence, the, uh, I got the short hair going on, military cut. It's called Thank You for Your Service. Jason Hall, who wrote American Sniper, wrote this, and he's directing it. Steven Spielberg is producing with DreamWorks. We're, we got about three weeks left, and it, I mean, this movie deals with soldiers, real guys, because it's based on the book by David Finkel, who wrote Thank You for Your Service and Good Soldiers, follows soldiers during the surge in Iraq um, between 2005 and 2007, follows a couple of those guys when they come home, and it's uh, it's very serious, I know, with the political race heating up a lot of you know the candidates are are voicing their opinion on the va and the system and how these guys it's it's very specific where and when they can kind of you know use these healthcare benefits and mental illness is just such a huge um just such a huge issue in our country so i we're all taking it extremely seriously and it's it's probably the most important project that i you know could ever work on that's that's how much i I empathize with these guys who've been to war, you know, and I've, and I've kind of been saying, if you were, if you were to have to split society into, um, you know, by only one factor and you could say men and women, that gives you a pretty, you know, good idea. You, but, um, I think that if you were to say people who've been to war and people who haven't, right. Because there's nothing that, that, um, can prepare. There's nothing how you can relate to it. I think as an actor, it was almost sacred territory for me to play somebody with PTSD. But I, what usually ends up pushing me towards it instead of away from it is just that I would rather, I'd rather I do it, me do it than, than somebody else, because right. I know how, how I can, how I, um, how much of the story affected me. So that's what I'm doing right now. Where are you guys shooting that? Uh, shooting it in Atlanta, <laughs> Hollywood East. Yeah. Everything's there. Guardians of the Galaxy, et cetera. Dude. Um, cool. Yeah. Talk about a hardworking guy that Chris is. Because we, we have a lot of the same crew that was on Passengers. And yeah. that schedule apparently was pretty brutal. Yeah. And he went right from that into Guardians 2. So oh, striking while the iron's hot, man. That's, don't do let it. the iron get cold. Jesus. It's like, <laughs> man, hold on to that iron. <laughs> 
So kids out there, I feel like I've had a lukewarm iron hold on, for a hold, couple years now. Hold on to Miles' lukewarm iron, everybody. <laughs> what? Hello. It, innuendo Monday. <laughs> uh, I'll see you at the premiere, man. Me and Peter's princesses will be out in force. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Okay, well, you're going to have to fight for a spot because they're coming. They don't care if it's raining, by the way. (laughs) They're not these little sissy fans. They they enjoy the hate. (laughs) (laughs) They feed on it? Yeah, yeah. They love it when it sucks. That's what our that's what our boot camp instructor was telling us for this movie. I love it when it sucks. It makes me so happy. (laughs) Um, It's always good to see you, buddy. Good to see you. Today's sponsor of Happy, Sad, Confused is Casper Mattresses, obsessively engineered American-made mattresses at a shockingly fair price. And now, guys, you can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com happy and using the code happy. Listen. You spend about a third of your life sleeping. Let's make sure you're doing it on a good mattress. Casper brings together two comfy technologies for better nights and brighter days, latex foam and memory foam. So they've got just the right sink, just the right bounce, no matter how you sleep. They've got a risk-free trial and return policy. They'll deliver it straight to you. You can try it for 100 days. And if you're not happy, they'll pick it back up. At the store, maybe you get a minute to try mattresses. With Casper, you actually get to sleep on it. It's $500 for a twin-size mattress and $950 for a king-size mattress. Comparing that to industry averages, that is an outstanding price point, guys. So get $50 right now towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com happy and using the code happy. Terms and conditions apply. That was the one and only Miles Teller, one of my favorite dudes. But Snammy, are you Snapchatting me right now? Yeah. Oh, God damn it. I hate you. I don't know why I let you on these things. What did you just do? I. You'll see. Okay. Check me out by I'm on Snapchat, guys. Joshua Horowitz. That's I'm tra- my plan. I'm trying my best. He's doing great. Sammy is is, is a uh, Snapchat wizard at MTV. You should definitely check out MTV on the Discover channel. There you go. Yes. On Snapchat, they do really fine, special, irreverent, weird work um, yes. that's worth checking out. Um, My specialties are irreverent and weird. Yeah, that's why you're on the podcast. Yeah. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Miles Teller. He is truly one of my favorites. He really is. He really is. I, I have I have nothing but love for that guy. Um, Sometimes he gets a bad rap, but I don't think he deserves it. I know. I agree. I defend him all the time. Yeah. Um, but on to the next strapping young man. <laughs> I was going to say, you did well today. Um, I wasted on me, apparently. I walking past your office well, thanks, today. For a change. Yeah. Um, Sebastian Stan is the actor uh, who, of course, is well known for his role in the Captain America films, uh, Winter Soldier, and now Civil the War. Martian. The Martian, of course. As I said, The Bronze is opening this Friday. Check it out to see a different side of Sebastian Stan. Uh, we talk about a whole lot about his very uh, interesting career, worth noting, full disclosure, he was on Once Upon a Time at Adam Horowitz, my brother, executive producer, co-creator. So we talk a little bit about that and many other things. Uh, Sebastian's just a good dude. And um, what do you think his friends call him? It's fun. we actually talk a bunch. Do you really? We talk a bunch about his nicknames and uh, that's. What, what? I'm not going to tell you. It's oh, about. To, it's it's literally. To it's literally in the first minute or two of our interview. Are you like, hey, Seb? You were, it's like you were in the room. Really? Guys, check out this. <laughs> to, com- to be clear, I'm never allowed in the room. Yeah, no, no one is. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm barely allowed. Uh, please enjoy this conversation with Sebastian Stan about his many nicknames and many wonderful films. Bash? 
Nope. I'm gonna have to listen like everybody else. <laughs> oh, baby. Here we go. It's good to see you, buddy. Good to see you too, man. By the way, Thanks I feel for like having I've me. been stalking you on the streets of New York and inadvertently we've run into each other a couple of times recently. Um, we have, yeah. We've been um, passing familiar faces. That's right. It's a, thing. it's a beautiful thing to see a familiar face in New York. Um, but, it happens more than in LA. Oh, yeah. I, I find. I don't know. Absolutely. Well, I'm also the crazy person that when I'm in LA, I don't drive. So I look like a crazy homeless person because I'm walking around. I'm like walking where people don't walk. In but LA. I do too. I, I, yeah, I don't really drive in LA. Yeah. And like you, I feel like I'm the target, you know, for the cars <laughs> yeah. when they pass you by on like yeah. sunset or something. It's that like, asshole doing walking. Yeah. Why would he? Teach yeah. Him a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was funny. I was walking on sunset like not long ago. I was going to the gym there and I remember out of nowhere, this guy just hit me in the shoulder and was like, hey, bro, you go to Equinox? <laughs> and I was like, I, I mean, I have. And he's like, you should come. We'll get a pump going. And I was like, what? I looked around and I was like, maybe this is because we're the only two people on the street. <laughs> right. You invited that. It's on you, man. Anyway, you know. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> it's is. A, it's a different kind of a yeah, street interaction in L.A. versus New York. New York, you're conditioned to bump into things. L.A., if you touch anything... Yeah. Like everyone's in their hermetically sealed bubble. You're, you're, the whole city's designed for you to not to interact with human beings. Yeah. I actually try to interact with human beings in New York before. I'm a morning person, but yeah. I try to do it before like 11 right. a.m. You, you tend to get a better reaction. People, you know, have had a little coffee. Right. They're still like, oh, the day could be okay. You know? Yeah, there's still potential before. No, afternoon, it's, we're already like, <laughs> don't ever look at me ever again kind of. New York mode. What precipitated? <laughs> so you moved to New York recently, relatively recently. No, I've always been here. Oh, you have. Yeah, I okay. Mean, I I've been here. I moved to the city when I graduated in '05, okay. and I've been here since. I never, nice. I never left. So you haven't been swayed? Has 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 Team Stan ever said, <laughs> "Dude, you gotta you gotta just live out there, bite the bullet"? I yeah. Somehow I I have not. Um, most of my representations here. Mm -hmm. um, my manager, who I've known for 17 years, has always been here, and and so she's, you know, she was a big New York uh, fan, and and yeah, I, somehow I lucked out. And it's just more your your speed all around. Well, yeah, I mean, I I've always gr grown up in cities, so I'm more used to an urban environment than I am necessarily to like, you know, even now in LA, I have moments where I kind of walk out of the hotel or the Airbnb that I'm in or whatever. And, and I kind of go, Oh, I have to, I just want to get like a Diet Coke and I have to drive it's for a thing. it. It becomes, a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing that I have to, it still requires some getting used to, but, um, maybe it's just the immediacy of New York. I guess yeah. that's more appealing. Yeah. I, I always say like, I think I would not, I would not interact with life as well in LA or anywhere else. Like I, I grew up here in the city and you did and, right. And I, I kind of like need that collision, that constant collision to kind of like, I think it sparks creativity, but it also kind of exposes you to yeah. everything and anything. It's just, I don't know. It feels like a better way to be for, for, for me at least for, for I, some. I agree. Cause I think, I think walking the streets is a very, uh, you know, it could be, it, it could be helpful in no, numerous ways, whether it's, whether it's, purely for entertainment uh, or um to get some 
sense as to what your life's about. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> or, you oh, know, no, sometimes... I need a long walk again. Yeah, again. Um, or sometimes it's... Uh, but I think with acting, it helps because you, you just, you're around people and oh, you sure. just see so much strange stuff. Absolutely. Well, um, all which is to say, it's good, it's good to see you. It's good to have you here. I mean, we, we've talked many times over the years, but never at, really at length in this kind of a format. So, um, and obviously, you know, you've crossed paths with full disclosure with, with the other Horowitz, the aforementioned Adam I have, Horowitz. of course. Yeah. Which uh, I never forgot that you guys are brothers. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and. Yeah. That because since you did say New York for you, is that where you guys come together yeah. for family yeah. stuff? Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah, he'll he'll come by for the for a few holidays of the year, but now he's obviously got a bunch of kids, so it's also also right. like a little harder. But yeah, yeah. Luckily, I'm out there quite a bit for work, so I get a good uncle time. Oh, in L.A. Yeah, right, of course. exactly. Yeah. Um, so right. you you have the uh, esteemed uh, honor of being the first Sebastian that's been on the podcast. Congratulations! Oh, good. Thank you. You're breaking new ground. <laughs> Thank there, you. There are, I feel like you might be the most notable Sebastian in the entertainment industry. I can't even think of other uh, Sebastians. I don't know about that. I feel like they're. I yeah. I'm and not Sebastian sure. Bach. What do we talk? What do we, you know? I mean, we're not. Well, that's uh, that's. I think I think why my mom named me Sebastian was after Sebastian Bach. Oh, but, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Because she's a she was a pianist. Oh. And then and then she was like, I don't know what else could go with Stan, which is such a funny name to me, Stan. Yeah. It just makes me think of um like Newman from Seinfeld, even though <laughs> right. I think he played a Stan. Or what's that actor's name? Oh, Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I always I always Stan was a very awkward name for me in high school. So but still reconciling this I can see you're still it's still inner turmoil is, is still No, it's fine, but I still get a little like when when I get to a hotel and someone's like, Mr. Stan and I'm like uh, I, I don't know. That sounds weird. <laughs> wow, it doesn't fit. Interesting. It's like what a strange. What would you rename yourself? What do you want? You have another. No, name I mind? would not. I would not change my name. Although, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm happy with it. According to the ever reliable IMDb, which is oh, always yes. right, it, it lists a few nicknames for you. Okay, none of them are true, by the way. Okay. I'm not sure how that made it over there, but okay, let's well, let's see. Okay. Se uh, Sebs. Any, has anyone ever called you that that you have any affection for? Is that a real thing? Sebs, I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't. Not that I remember. Baz, definitely not. I mean, I'm not sure where that came from. Um, Sebi, my mom did call me that. Yeah, okay, okay. yeah. And in in high, in high school, I had that. Your mom apparently stopped updating your IMDb page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is online a lot. Let me tell you. <laughs> and this is my personal favorite: the Wiener Soldier. The Wiener Soldier is actually. I actually think. Uh, uh, I, I I didn't come up with it, but um, but uh, some uh, my customer on set came up with it. <laughs> it made me a T-shirt one time uh, as a thank you gift, and it had a hot you know a, a hot dog. Sure. And then instead of the the wiener, it was like the the metal arm, Amazing. and it was like wiener soldier, <laughs> and so like. You know, uh, sometimes we would have like this alter ego, which was on set, you know, because like he was always like Winter Soldier. And then it was like Wiener Soldier <laughs> would come out, you know, like once in a while. But you, every once in a while, you, you the Wiener Soldier, you know, you do what you can to yeah. get to get through long hours sometimes, <laughs> right. especially when you're dealing with heavy, dramatic, like serious material. I'm like sure. you got to kind of keep yourself cracking up. Sometimes the Wiener Soldier can help everybody. Um, yeah. <laughs> speaking of light, lightening up a little bit, I, I referenced it earlier. You're here promoting uh, The Bronze, which is a film that I, I was there in Sundance. I saw 
bought that opening night at Sundance, oh, cool. which was a fun night because it was. I mean, you never know what you're going to get on a, a, Sun, a Sundance film period, let alone opening night. And I think people didn't know what the hell they were like dealing with because it was it's so out there. It's well, a, it's a ballsy comedy. No, I, I mean, I yes, and I I personally love it just for that. But yeah. you know how in movies sometimes like. You know, like for example, I watched Berman on my way over here uh, on the plane, and again, which is and it's a great movie. Yeah. But you know how, like sometimes in movies, you you have a, like a shot of the the awning of what the movie's playing, and the audience is coming out, and you hear like sound bites of them being like, "It's a really great play," and like <laughs> coming out of the Sundance, that was like they're like, "What do they have here? Didn't they have Whiplash <laughs> first night last year?" You know, I was told it would be more like Whiplash, and I was like, "Yes, that's right. We are our own entity, <laughs> definitely." Um, but it's true. I'm with you. I think I think people were laughing in the theater and going, and then caught, catching themselves fearfully yeah. clutching their breast <laughs> of, like, why did I just laugh at that? Because it is funny. Did, did it, you have that experience uh, reading the script, hopefully? Or was it, did it... <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, it was like, you know... Um, I was I was reading I was reading it and, and and I had to call up my friends and and start quoting it and I was like you got to hear this this is like really funny and and that usually is a good sign to me in terms of interest and then I I'd wake up in the middle of the night and think about the character and go oh you know what would be funny is if he just like carried chapstick with him and he was like always you know making sure his lips were hydrated right <laughs> and I was like so just things like that that kind of then it, if it stays with you, it's usually it's a good sign. Yeah, because then you're going. Oh, I'm excited to go to work. Yeah. Do you, I mean? Do you get much comedy offered to you? Is that also part of the equation? That like, oh, they actually thought it. They're interested in me. Well, and, that and I was. Get to... I've always, first of all, I'm I'm a huge like Duplass Brothers fan. Yeah. I mean, I I told them they were at the premiere in L. A. for this, and I I ran to them and I said, I want you to know, I'm so excited about Togetherness season two. Right. Um, I've always liked their stuff, and just to have them behind this was a huge um, proponent for sure uh, in terms of, because that's the kind of comedy I would love to be associated with for sure. sure. Um, and then Brian Buckley, the director, is really funny. Melissa's so talented and Thomas is really talented. And so sort of a no-brainer for me, but but I, I, I don't. People don't usually think of me as comedy. Well, between the bronze and this podcast, we're going we're, we're gonna to get the word out. Yeah, exactly. We'll see. <laughs> does, it, does it feel, um, I mean, th does this reflect your sensibility comedy-wise? Like, comedy like, what's the stuff that you, you mentioned, Togetherness and Duplass Brothers? Um, what, was your, what were your first kind of comedy touchstones, or what are they now? Or? Well, speaking of, uh, I mean, I was, when I was growing up, Jim Carrey was huge for me. I yeah. mean, that's the kind of comedy that it was, it was a big thing for me. Like, um, and funny enough, I worked on a, on a show that he that he produced about stand-up comics, which is coming out on Showtime. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, really called, interested called I'm Dying Up Here, yeah. which is in the fall. Jonathan Levine involved. Yeah, right? who's another really talented, awesome, yeah. talented guy and loved his movies. Um, so it was very broad, <laughs> the kind of comedy I was sort of thinking about. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, just, I mean, the, the Will Ferrell, Kristen Wiggs of the world are just geniuses to me. And, and then... I always I, I like movies that are a little bit darker. I, I was a big fan of Very Bad Things. Yeah, you know, and Borat and Bridesmaids and and, and comedy that's sort of not afraid. Like Elf was a great movie, um, and and The Bronze is a little bit kind of on the edge, you know, because it it 
I think it's it's afraid to it's not afraid to hold any punches, but also um, just to kind of expose the the humor and how cynical sometimes we are as people, right. you know. And right. and also, I really love that movie Airplane. Classic. And the idea of someone walking through an airport, <laughs> hitting people yes. left and right, is oh, yeah. still something I think about <laughs> when I walk through an airport. I would never do it in my life, but. You know, I look at this movie and I go, my God, what would life be like if we really all just said whatever we wanted to say at any moment in time, which is how I feel that hope hope and yeah. my character Lance kind of live a little bit in, in this life. It's just yeah, free, you know, they, 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 they don't hold anything back. They just, they, and they hurt people in the process, but. Uh, well, I mean, how freeing that must be for you guys as actors where it's like, yeah. usually we all have these inhibitions, these societal pressures where it's like, you're not supposed to, supposed to say the wrong thing. And to play a character where you literally whatever enters your brain kind of is okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't have characters like that unless they are completely insecure and 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 have a humongous hole inside that they are constantly trying to fill and and you know both of these characters grew up without childhoods really i mean it's sort of the darker side of olympic gymnastics if you will which is that they you can be dedicated and to be competitive and to go to that level you have to give up so much yeah. and and it's not always pretty uh, sort of like the outcome but not to mention that i went you know, uh, I, I, I knew this kind of a character. I've met him before. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and so he was a combination of a few things. Uh, you know, people like I've come across in life or mm -hmm. in high school or something. And I was like, oh. Do you think I, anyone that you know would see themselves in your portrayal? Or you I wonder. <laughs> I mean, I do, I do, I do, uh, I do think about, I've thought about it, but hey, you know, it's, it's fine. I mean, <laughs> What are you going to do? <laughs> You've probably spent a good amount of uh, doing press for this film talking about sex scenes, I would imagine. We did, yeah. Um, Which is good. You don't always get to do that. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so what is what, what is there left to say except that there is a very memorable sequence in this film? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think what there's left to say. It, it, it was, uh, there is the sequence that is so out there that it makes you think whether can someone really have sex like that right. and what have you should i have you should i scientists? attempt it right. is it a good idea is uh, it painful is it enjoyable yeah i is mean it uh, possible yeah i mean i i just uh i think i think melissa and winston wrote this thing and went you know they they described it as when you think of gymnasts and you think man, they're so flexible. They're so strong. They're so, uh, you know, what's the word? Palpable? I <laughs> Nimble? They're, yeah, exactly. Uh, like, how do they go for it when sure. they go for it? And this was sort of uh, what, we, what we came up that. with yeah. is that they could probably do some of this stuff. Um, <laughs> is, is it is it hard to go back to something that, that this is, you know, uh, I would think a relatively small scale budget after you do something along the lines of these of the of the Marvel films, like is it is it kind of refreshing in its own way to like? I mean, I'm sure, you know, the cliche of like the catering budget and cap is probably equivalent to what you made the bronze for. Yeah, I mean, there's there's things like that, but um, I would say I would say um, 
the sometimes the neat thing about working on something smaller per se is the fact that everyone just kind of ends up interacting with, with one another a lot more and and it becomes a little bit more of a collaboration i mean the thing with the bronze which was so great was brian and melissa and winston uh, rouch were all like what what should we do with this take? What yeah. what could we say? How do we improvise? Where do we take so the character next? Together and it's just yeah, and it was very, it, it, which was why it was a little scary for me in terms of just improv and and kind of being witty and on the spot and and coming up with new stuff. And sometimes with with Marvel, you can't do that so much because you do have the source material. You do have very specific things that need to be shot a certain way. You've got you're dealing with a lot of different people and their schedules. Yeah, and. Sometimes people come in for a week and then they fly out to do something else, sure. or they return. Or I can, you know, I can work straight for a month and then go home for a month and come back. So it's a little bit more. Whereas, like on this, we had 22 days. You know, we're there every day. It's like you're just everyone's kind of on set all the time sure. and watching everybody. And so it's it can be more intimate at times. So um, you're also so you're, you're going to kind of go from this relatively soon into again like crazy promotion i would think on civil war right oh right yeah it's gonna yeah. be bananas um yeah. the new trailer is amazing by the way oh cool man. i mean everybody's Thank super you. excited I mean, for this yeah it's it's surreal surreal so sure. does does the does where you've gone with this character thus far exceed kind of your expectations in terms of like where you began in terms of when you agreed to be a part of this in the first place like of how- course i i think it's always a discovery i i always end up learning something new about the character each time which is i think the blessing of working on something and being able to return to it which is why i think a lot of actors even in tv have such a great time because they go we have all this all all this opportunity to, right. to to not just put two hours into a character. We can come back, and it's always a, a, a discovery. And and certainly, if I were to have met you five years ago when we did the first one, I wouldn't have been able to tell you where they were going to take it, how they were going to do it, what would have been like. So so it's still, yeah, it's it's always new. So I'm curious, like, what was the nature of, like, the conversation after you sign on to the first one and you're playing this character? Like, did they, did Feige or whoever say, like, look, it's possible you could end up being Winter Soldier. You may not. This is one way to go. There are a thousand different ways. Or were they? They actually, yeah. I mean, they, uh, it wasn't even that. It was much more, this is what happens to the character. Mm-hmm. And in the first one, in, in uh, First Avenger. Right. Well, they were, but they were, like, eventually over time you comes the winter oh, soldier yeah, and yeah. so on and this yeah. is you know and i was fascinated but but i definitely had that question in my mind going do i ask them if they're actually planning on doing this or they're trying to tell because i i'm with you i like you got my Sounds thumbs cool. up i'm ready to do it <laughs> You know, but I never really asked. <laughs> yeah, just make the leap. Like, so I understand that's what happens in the comics. So yeah. are we actually going to do it? I just remember, <laughs> I remember when we were shooting the first scene, uh, that, that scene where I fall off the train in the first movie. Originally, they were going to have the whole uh, arm sort of like slightly, you know, kind of like missing right while i was still hanging on the train and i was like oh it's a good sign <laughs> i was like oh this is I good this means. i know what this is going <laughs> and then in the reshoots we come back and they're like by the way we have to kind of tweak that scene a little bit we think you should keep your arm we are and i was like and i was like oh my god he's not he's, he's not it's he's dead he's not coming back 
you know and so um it's so funny but <laughs> but yeah i mean it's by far exceeded the expectations i've had and sort of it's it's just a it's a feeling of gratitude because i i really do feel like it's a family and everyone gets along so well i mean i just don't even want to say anything to jinx it but 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 it's the truth i mean we get to come back and it's almost like a it's like the golden state warriors you know right. you just come back <laughs> I, I mean i'll put us up there next to that i mean there you know we we get together and it's it's a team it's an effort and and you're traveling as a team and you're you know you're you want to everyone has the best interest of the film in mind right. and that's sometimes you know it's it's tough you don't always come across that sometimes you come across different people who have you know alternative things that they get out yeah. of the experience but i i feel like everybody here has the same goal in mind which is like let's just make the best movie we possibly can right and and we're damn lucky we're doing this well, so. and it's amazing to see so again like i mean there's a lot of luck involved there's a lot of smart moves involved in terms of the cast uh, and crew, frankly, that in all these films, but the fact that like they are a lot of different kind of big personalities involved. And you have Downey and Downey, oh, like right, yeah. you know, Downey willing to kind of like be like second fiddle in a movie at the stage, like to Cap. It's like a big kind of thing, right? And then you've got you know, I mean, the I can only imagine when you go to bed at night if you hear Anthony Mackie's voice in your head. <laughs> Sometimes I do. <laughs> So yeah, like where is he in the family dynamic? Is he just like the uh, the brother that won't shut up, like the uncle that won't shut up? I mean, oh man, I mean he's so special. <laughs> I, I I he can't sneak into a room. He's not a he's not a quiet man. No, I definitely I I, I definitely feel like I remember we were shooting the scene. Um, there was, there was a scene where it was like really dramatic or something. I was like, oh my god, we got We have to hurry up before Anthony gets here because I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna be able to keep a straight face and it's gonna be it's this intense scene and I'm right. you know. Um, um, but I, yeah, it's usually like the boomerangs, you know, like thrown and he's coming, but, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I mean, you need that. He, it's, it's just like, it's a joy to have that kind of energy yeah. around you and then to bounce off of, um, especially like, cause I, when I really got to know Anthony actually was in the, in the press tour last year, cause sure. we didn't really have many scenes together in, in this, in the second film, the winter soldier film. Right. So, and then I realized, Oh my God, like we, I have to be with him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most entertaining men. And so I just flipped through the page. Like what's more important to me than anything is like, I'm like, where do I hit Anthony in the face <laughs> in this movie? Where, where am I fighting the Falcon? You know, you get a little of that. You get a little something, something. I do, yeah. When I, I get excitement, excitement when I see that happening. <laughs> I'm not going to badger you too much on, on plot stuff because that's a needless pursuit that nothing's going to come of. But that's a, but that's okay. I'm, I'm curious though. Um, yeah, I'm curious, like way back when you you auditioned for Cap as well, mm -hmm. right? Which isn't curious, like the same way on the over on the Thor side, Hiddleston auditioned for Thor and ended up with this great part. You end up with this great part, even if maybe I don't know if there was any disappointment at the time. I mean, give me a sense. No, like, I, it's weird because I, I even went out for Thor. I mean, not for Thor, yeah. but I went out for, I think it was actually funny enough, Josh Dallas's part. Oh, sure. Back in the day. Yeah. And uh, definitely no disappointment. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I didn't know a hell of a lot about Captain America right, and, and the world. Guys, so yeah, like, right. and... And what happened was the focus was so much on Cap and casting Cap that no one really 
was even thinking about Bucky, or at least no one was talking to me about it. Right. You know, I hadn't even heard about an audition for Bucky. I'm not. Um, and I think it really was, uh, yeah, it just in the combination of, of tests. Uh, I mean, I was making audition tapes from Berlin, funny enough. Um, I was doing a little movie there and then sending tapes in for, for Cap and they kept giving me notes and then I just happened to be in LA to go in the room and then I was told about the test and uh but the whole experience was so wild it was uh, you know what was there ambivalence about about that kind of a film and signing on to that kind of a thing at the time I mean at, at that point we didn't know Marvel was going to be like this like you know spotless track record definitely not other than I really I, I was, you know, I, I had looked at the size that I had, basically, and I was just treating it off of that. I, you know, I hadn't really read the comics. I didn't really do a lot of work on the, I just was like, I'm just going to find the truth of what's in here. And maybe that helped me. I'm not sure, because maybe they, they looked at it and they said, you know, this guy's like, you know, uh, I don't know, flexing his eyebrows too much. <laughs> he should he should be a darker character. I have no idea, you know. Right. Um, but, uh yeah, I I think I'm happy that it worked out the way it did. I I, I 100%. I feel like it's the right. This is the right way. I mean, I I, yeah. I remember when I didn't get it. I was disappointed a little bit, um, as you are investing any time and and sort of of yourself into any any part, which still happens to me today. But then I had another phone call, which kind of was like would you want to go in for this bar maybe? And, and that sort of felt nice because <laughs> yeah. it wasn't over yet. Yeah. Um, Does it, it, it must feel also gratifying that, you know, not only has it turned into a very satisfying part over a series of films and working with these great actors and filmmakers, but clearly, I mean, it's afforded you other opportunities. Well, you would have 100%. to say, right? Whether it's the bronze or the Martian. I mean, you're 100%. on a good run in terms of very disparate, interesting, eclectic films right now. Well, I, Without a doubt, I credit I credit, you know, Marvel with that. I mean, that's why it's like I said, I'm never gonna forget where where I come from. I yeah. mean, I, I'm I have a major loyalty that way, sort of embedded in me, and and I and I, you know, it just the opportunities that came from the movies is like I said more than I ever thought or expected, and um, and it's a lot. It's allowed me, I think, to be able to get to. To the attention of some of the other films, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so, so uh, just the the idea is to try to further work with interesting people and people that I admire and um, you know I, whose work I appreciate. And uh, and I'm a firm believer that you you just become a better actor if you're surrounded by good actors. Right. Right. Um, and that that's all I keep focusing on that do you think um i mean for for background sake i mean you you grew up romania then moved to vienna if i'm correct and then mm -hmm. to new york right by you were around 12 by the yeah. time you came to the states yeah, yeah. So, i mean in looking back or at the time do you feel like you have kind of like a different perspective on american culture or i mean those are key years up until 12 or do you feel as indoctrinated in all our horrible sitcoms and well this is anybody else funny i was i mean i had a bizarre the things i was watching were like beverly hills 90210 <laughs> i was watching that before i even got to the states um 
growing pains. It's funny because I was having a conversation with somebody. I was like, oh, I got to watch Fuller House because I haven't even seen Full House. <laughs> but The Wonder Years, all these, you know, even Sesame Street, I don't, I, I never grew up with. Right. Um, Power Rangers, I really liked. Uh, Back to the Future. I mean, that those movies were huge. Yeah. Um, but I think when I first came here, I actually, because we were talking about names before, I was really concerned with being different and I wanted to be like everyone else more than anything. I mean, I actually wanted to change my name even, you know, and thank God my mom didn't let me because I wanted to change it to Christopher, believe it or not. That's how, and I actually didn't want to speak Romanian. I, I was only speaking English. I was just, I was going to have a new identity you were just gonna basically. remake yourself into an american but i think that's man. yeah i mean i think that's just a culture shock of like being thrown in a world well, which it's also just any kid wants to blend in they don't want to feel they right want, yeah they don't want to feel yeah. like the weird one exactly at what you do want to feel like the weird one but early on maybe you don't you want to. early on you don't <laughs> and then somewhere around like 16 when i when i started or 15 when i started acting in in like school plays and and whatnot then i was like oh i think it's like interesting that you're from somewhere else and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like it's, uh, you know, suddenly became, but not at the beginning. It was freaked out. What, uh, <laughs> so what's the, what's the first bank paying gig? What's the first like, uh, that I ever, yeah. ever got. Yeah. Um, it's definitely law and order. Uh, I was a sophomore in college and, uh, it was, uh, it was, had Jerry Orbach, and nice. Jesse L. Martin. You got the authentic law and order experience. Ty Burrell played my, my dad. Amazing. Which was, he was like the scariest man I've ever met. I mean, the fact that he's, you know, later on, like, kind of be one of the funniest people <laughs> I've ever seen. Um, but that was it, sophomore year, yeah. Were you going out of your mind? Were you Actually, believe it or not, I'm wrong. There is this movie, you, Michael Haneke, which is... Of course, Michael Haneke is amazing. Uh I don't know what I would have to do today to get him to, to, to yeah. hire me. <laughs> Probably really cut off my arm. I don't know. But I actually was in one of his films when I was, when I was, uh, oh God, it was like 10. I was in Vienna. My mom, my mom was taking me to auditions actually. Uh, and, uh, and I was playing an orphan, homeless Romanian kid. And, and it was this movie he, he apparently directed. <laughs> you, were, you barely knew you were in the film. You were just walking through the scene. And yeah. I had like one scene in the subway where I was like walking and, you Amazing. know, it, it, and that was it. And I just remembered being up all night and being like, Oh my God, this is terrible. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> uh, by the time you got to law and order, you were, were you obsessed? It was like, this was, this is it. I'm going, I'm well, I had, this. I'm lucky because I had a really great college experience. You know, Rutgers Mason Girls School of the Arts was um, really a great school for me. I mean, I still believe, I, before even Law and Order, the, the, the kind of work that we were doing there, um, some of the plays and stuff have stuck with me to, to now. And, and th that, I think, really... And which is funny, because even when I got Law and Order, I was more concerned with wanting to be in school than actually continuing to get professional work because it was, it was so satisfying and interesting. And yeah. I mean, it's a great program. You know, they have, it was only 15 of us in the class. And I mean, I got to know those people for life. Um, everybody was extremely close and it was a very nurturing environment in terms of, it's a conservatory program in the middle of this massive state school, yeah. which is wild. Cause you get a little bit of the both worlds, you know? Right. Um, 
And yeah, it just was a challenging in a good way. We were doing plays like Suburbia and Speed the Plow and oh, wow. just Best really writes on the planet and really yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And and that I think that was really helpful. So is there a bit of um disappointment or something once you're kind of like out of school and like you know, if you look at kind of the early resume, you know, there there's a lot of like what I would call like the hot dude parts. You know, you're kind mm. of you had a little bit of hot dude typecasting, I feel like. Uh, which you know, apparently, but I <laughs> I don't know. Um I'll tell you what's nostalgic about about college, I feel like acting school to me is when you're a kid, you know, you're, you're, um, you're just like, just doing everything. You're playing 56 year old man, right. old men, you know, you're, you can play whatever you can, it, no one's telling you no. And then you get to college and you get to, you know, in the acting school and it's like, Hey, you got to learn how to play yourself. You got to learn how to play your age. You got to be, you know, this is, these are the parts you'll be going for. Yeah. So that was a little hard. Um, just cause then you're like, Oh, I'm just, kind of a limited person as a 20 year old college student that's right. you know these aren't necessarily a little interesting off. parts <laughs> yeah to play after i just played yeah suddenly you start looking and... at like you know the james deans and the whole thing and you're you're going that's where i'm you know or you find whatever that is for you yeah you know to look up to um and but rutgers still actually that being said we were still allow because they have an uh, they have a london program at the globe which funny enough oh. at the time that was 2003 uh had mark rylance as the artistic director which was crazy because i got to see him that early on um but but i think yeah when you get out of school it gets a little bit like you know you you learn how to really play yourself and you you learn a, a few of your your strengths and i think the challenge then becomes to continue uh to not let that become your comfort zone but to continue to challenge yourself to try something right. new to take on different roles that kind of like can help you expand or or, or something because you, you'll have a toolbox but but I think if you're not careful, you'll end up with that toolbox forever or right. you try to stretch yourself. The um, I think a lot of people were hardened to see that you clearly have some affection or at least the affection for the cast of The Covenant. Which, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I thought you were going to say The Covenant or The Gossip Girl cast because oh, oh, I certainly <laughs> had affection there too. I'm sure. <laughs> no, but I do. I mean, all those all those guys are... Kitch, yeah, Kitch has been on the podcast. He's the best. I love him. I, they're just the best. I mean, I'm. I was with them for New Year's this past year. It was a ten ten year reunion. It's like, you know, we've known each other because of that movie. Yeah. Um, Did it feel like um, I'm with a bunch of guys in my age group? We're all kind of like in the same stage of our career. We're with this mad, crazy dude, Rennie Harlan, trying to make a a witch movie. Like what? The, I mean, let, let's just. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was so wild because I think all of them, to some extent, didn't like me <laughs> when they first met me. They're like, you know, uh, but but we all we all got along really well. Um, it, 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 I think. We've Why all grown up like so what, much. What, what did you do? No, no. I was well. I was sort of playing like the bastard right. kind of guy in the movie or whatever. And so they were um, going method, or were you going method? No, we just <laughs> we were just laughing a lot about um, you know kind of like just the parts that we were playing, yeah. you know. And they're like, um, I remember. I think Kitch at one point pushed me down a hill in this big wide shot. I don't even know if it's in the movie or not. But we were like running, and he just like went. Eh. <laughs> It was just very funny to me. Um, but uh, I hope that's how he actually pushes people with the saddest little sound effect. 
I, I listen. His character's name in the movie was, I think, Pookie, or, or, or was it? Oh no, it was Pogue. Aww. That's that's kind of Sweet a fun Pogue. name for. For yeah, I always I always tell him he's overweight every time I see him. <laughs> Someone <laughs> has to. Someone has to get Someone. him. He's letting himself go. He's a mess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> has, has the TV stuff um, been kind of nurturing and as rewarding throughout? Whether it's been uh, you know Mad Hatter and Once Upon a Time or Gossip Girl or Political Animals. I mean, you you've you've not shied away from from getting involved in TV and some I would think rewarding parts along the way. Oh, absolutely. I I would say. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't have anything I look back on that I did and kind of go, oh, God, why did I do that? It's just because everything really helped me go from one thing to the next. Yeah. I mean, with Gossip Girl, it was great because, like, I, if you were living in New York, and that was a great job because you could stay in New York. And right. that's, you know, it was about New York. It was about kids in New York. It had Chase in it, you know. Um and and uh, so that that was its own thing. But uh, <laughs> does that stick? Like, that is, does that will that ever go away when you're walking the streets of Manhattan? I was going to say, and then you just become your character and start dating someone on the oh, show. No. <laughs> <laughs> we go. You're that good. Um, what were we going to say? You were, living the, you were just living the character. Just you were living just the dream. Living the dream. <laughs> upper Upper East Side. <laughs> no. Oh, but I was going to say, I would imagine if anything, maybe sticks. Maybe not. I mean, you have affection for it clearly, but like. I would think, again, being in New York, that's one of those shows, like in 90210 back in the day, that really, the people that loved it. It's Yeah, no, well, that's how Gossip Girl was, I feel like. You know, it was just a phenomenon, it was its own phenomenon. Yeah. You know, they really tapped into something. I mean, I have I have people that, you know, even now sometimes I'll walk, you know, if I'm if I'm on the Upper East Side, they'll be like, Carter Basin! <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just, you know, kind of go, yeah, that's part of it. Um, yeah. But a lot of kids that I think are sort of familiar with that lifestyle, they found the show to be kind of accurate, which was always interesting for yeah. me to find out. And I lucked out with, you know, I ended up doing Kings here, which was like a, right. sh a quick show, didn't last very you long. To work with Ian McShane, I'm sure. Yeah, it was just another, you know, uh, great group of people. It was another opportunity to stay in New York. Um, you know, Polka Animals was also about the, the the group of people involved, and the Mad Hatter was an awesome role. Like it was something I, you know, I yeah. didn't get to do that anywhere really. Um, just to play a a dad or to have like it was amazing how much was fleshed out in an episode. Is there? I, I've asked actors uh, actors this question a lot, but I'm always curious. Like, is there like an idealized kind of like director or? experience you're chasing that you've already had like whether because you know you, you work with someone like Ridley Scott who's his own kind of animal but then like you've worked with Jonathan Demme a couple times which I'm fascinated by he's definitely yeah on a different kind of end of the spectrum uh, well do you, do you find it all as invigorating and exciting or do you feel like there's one you gravitate towards in terms of a kind of experience or kind of a I it's all learning it's all a learning lesson but those two are very different because because really Scott will really feel like he's not even there I mean he'll right. really let you just do your thing and you won't get anything you know you won't get like great you know necessarily great job or right. unless it's like look we got to change something and it's terrible then then at least he'll talk to you I, I think but you don't get the constant kind of in your face yeah or or, or try this or yeah. let's because he's he's already 15 20 steps ahead yeah. you know um but Jonathan Demme 
is someone that's much more hands-on, very specific. I mean, the funny thing is we had this scene in Ricky and the Flash, which was like the dinner scene with Meryl Streep and Kevin Kline. And, and I remember it was a very, to me, it seemed like a very simple scene on paper, you know, but on the day, he wanted something very specific and I really felt like I wasn't getting it. And I was getting very nervous because I'm going, oh my God, like I'm, we're, still in the scene now because it's I'm holding everybody back including her <laughs> you know like I'm like she may want to be going home right now but I'm you know like I don't going to go home to her kids and be like sorry I missed dinner and I but can't this guy Sebastian yeah. Stan didn't get it and I can't tell if she's still in character or if she's really like had it or you know because she her character was very sort of kind of you know whatever whatever go with the flow whatever whatever you know <laughs> takes me to the next moment and so um but funny enough I, I i feel like later at the end of the day i was able to and i was and i got very frustrated actually because i was like oh my god i feel like every time he's coming over here it's like a new note i'm not getting it but at the end of the day i'm not sure whether he was really kind of getting at something and and leading me there without me kind of catching on right or whether you know i wasn't getting it per se but he just kind of was pushing it a His little bit uh, yeah but at the end of the day i could see that he was he was happy it's just it's just kind of you have to sort of trust these directors you have to really surrender to them and you have to you know kind of adjust to each each one and 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 um and that's i think a, the big learning lesson as an actor because because if you have someone that's more hands-on you got to stay open and available and yeah and then if not then you got to make some choices it's interesting because i uh, we just had miles tower just drop by and we were just talking about oh, yeah. um surrendering to kind of directors and trusting in them and like I mean, you can do that with a demo. You can do that with a Ridley Scott, but like, you can also get burned with like someone that doesn't know what they're doing, and that's 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 a lesson learned too. And you don't want to take the wrong lesson from that of of not of trusting the director. I remember, I remember there was you know in that little scene I have in Black Swan, uh, like I remember, I remember giving uh, you know I had a couple lines with like Natalie Portman. I remember giving giving those lines, and then hearing Aronofsky go cut and going like, hmm, okay, I think that was a good. I gave a good couple of lines, you know. <laughs> And then he walks over, he's like, okay, great. So now we know you can, now you know we can act, so let's really do it. And I was like, but that was, that was what I, I thought that was the, the good, like, what does he mean? You know? Amazing. Um, thanks for that. Now let's really do it. <laughs> so everyone's very specific. To be fair, he probably know. gave the same kind of notes. It sounds like to Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke, like, you know, was. The, the man is incredible. He's I mean, genius, he's, yeah. he, you know, he's yeah. amazing. Again, you're, yeah. you're working with somebody who, you you have to like you put yourself in that environment you you expect that these people are going to push you they're yeah. going to they're not going to they're not necessarily there to be your friends right. they're not supposed to be your parents you know they're they're there to to get the best out of you yeah. and and you kind of have to you know you put your ego in check and you go okay like we got to go do do you consume a lot of film it sounds like you do it sounds like you're uh well um or not so much I would no, I do. I just I think it's funny because I go, well, do I just watch a lot of stuff, or mm -hmm. is it just because I'm learning? <laughs> um, no, but I do. I think you have to. I think it's you have to watch movies, and I try to go all over the place. You know, yeah. I mean, even something that necessarily doesn't pop out and, and interest me right away, I, I want to go see because I want to know what kind of movies are being made. Yeah, Who, who's the 
who's the most interesting actor to you nowadays? Who's like somebody? I mean, knows? look, you're you've got you got one, you know, you've got him up here. I mean, Michael Shannon is, you know, Michael Shannon to me is incredible for n- numerous reasons. But one of the things that I really appreciate about him is that I feel like. Um, there's never a there's never an, a dishonest moment with right. him, you know. You're always just getting the hundred percent truth, which he probably may argue and say, "No, you're not. I'm in my head," or "I don't." Not all sometimes, but but it's uh, and, and someone that really makes good use of their intensity. Yep. Yeah, there's. I, I think you you captured it well. It's like I always say, like going back a ways. It's like someone like Gene Hackman. I always say it as like my yeah. actor because he was like oh I never God. saw a false Amazing. move from it. It all just felt like just organically just was that's that's we were just capturing him on yeah. film he wasn't acting you didn't see the acting well because i think a, a teacher long ago said to me he's like look you you come in with with this is your dna this is like what you're carrying with you yeah. so you lay it on the table and you know like a little puzzle and you look at it and you go what are you going to do with it you know because it because it ain't going away right so you're either going to learn how to make it you work for you or work with it, um, but but don't try to be someone else, you know. And right. that's that's what I feel about these actors when I see them. Is like they go, they really know how to. You, Use they them. have they have an in it seems to to kind of themselves. Totally, that, that's what helps them. I think. Um, in our remaining moments, I've got a bunch of random questions. You don't have to yes. answer all of them. Is this kind of like our Inside the Actors Studio? Yes. <laughs> this is, what is your favorite curse word? <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> any random question in there and answer or, or throw it in my this face or whatever great. you want. I'm very excited about the Happy Sack Confused. Oh, because, you know, I look at it on your... <laughs> oh, man. When I was a kid, my hero was... Um, yeah, maybe Jim Carrey, I guess I'll okay. have to go with. Okay. We're going to see you in Ace Ven- Son of Ace Ventura soon. Oh, we'll <laughs> see. <laughs> if, if, if he'll ever do any, I, I don't know. He's got to come back around at some point. Do I keep going? Yeah, keep, do one or two more. Pick uh, your own end. Okay, yeah. No, don't <laughs> Three do hours that. Three I'll be here. <laughs> the last goes, gross thing I ate was, damn it. This is, uh, the last gross thing I ate was... Uh, I don't know. Are you allowed to eat gross things? Are you on a of winter course. soldier uh, no, no, diet no, no. right but, now? But but the you... gross things are always really good, <laughs> you, you <laughs> right? Yeah, you don't you don't consider them a negative. Um, You're proud of the things you, you discuss, the things you put in your body. Yeah, I'm okay. trying to think. Okay. Um, I might have like done that rocky thing with, you know, like the, the eggs. eggs. Yeah, <laughs> I might have like just like taken down one without cooking it. I don't know. This doesn't seem. Healthy Maybe or that's smart. Don't do that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Uh, is that your ending ending point? Do you feel the raw egg is right, the way you well, want to go? One more. Okay, do one I'll, more. Do, I'll do one thing. Okay. I'm good. But this is a great idea. Describe my perfect movie going experience. Okay. So wow. what kind of, what's your snack of choice? Where are you sitting in the theater? What's I'm sort of like I got to tell you, I, I love seeing movies alone. Okay. I get like a medium Coke Zero. <laughs> Uh, I may sneak in like a Quest bar, nice. you know, yeah. or What's your favorite Quest bar. I can't do too many like sandwiches or, you know, I can't right. do anything aggressive. Yeah, you don't but, want to open up a whole thing. That's right. I feel guilt there. Um, your favorite flavor of the Quest bars. I do it. The, the cookie bars. dough ones are really good. good. And I'll tell you a little trick. If you microwave them, don't eat it. Don't treat me. <laughs> <laughs> if you microwave them, yeah. they're great. Yeah. No, like I, 12 seconds or so you're, you're, but it took me a while. I didn't even think about no, that. I know, I know. They're almost like a real cookie. Um, Guys, if you learn nothing else from this, yeah, and then I sit in the um, 
in the one chair, you know, like at the whatever the, the there's like usually like a row of like oh, kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. like so you're you're seated in, in like handicap seating basically. I guess that would be it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no one else in the theater, so it's okay. Right, exactly. Don't, don't get mad at him. No, 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 yeah, yeah. No, I know. And then and then and then I watched the movie. So guys, if you see some weird creepy guy alone in the theater in the handicap seating with a Coke Zero and a Quest bar, that's a little warm. Yeah, that's Sebastian Stan. That would be me. <laughs> Don't leave your bag in the theater either, because I may go through it. I did do that one time. What? There was a guy that came. I mean, look, I don't know. There was a guy that came in one time, and he like left his bag and then left. And Were you I was worried like, it was a bomb or something, or was it just? I was like, what do I do with this? <laughs> so I was like, I can either run away, but I was like, I'm not going to abandon my city. So I was like, if I'm going to say something, say something. <laughs> and I went and I searched the bag, and I was like, oh, okay, good. I was like, an iPad. It's okay. You're such a good guy, good yeah. citizen, looking out for all do? of us. The Winter Soldier is looking out for everybody. Everyone, I try. Um, go check out the Bronze for a different side of Sebastian Stan. It's it's a it's a crazy movie, but it's 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 well worth your time, uh, especially if you like your comedy. You know, you want a daring, bold comedy. It's not gonna, as you said, not gonna pull any punches, guys. Nothing yes, safe stuff. Let's go for it. All your crazy thoughts will come true when exactly. you see this movie <laughs> exactly um it's always good to see you man and uh, i'll see you, you on, too on thank the you crazy so much press tour me, i'm sure for civil war soon enough um that'll be fun see you in the next one hey how's it going this is chris gethard hey chris gethard i'm anonymous Hey, Earwolf listeners, my new show is called Beautiful Stories from Anonymous People. Every week, I open the phone line to one anonymous caller, and I can't hang up first, no matter what happens. It's going to surprise you. I could catch this train. You're going to jump on that train? Yeah, I think I'm going to try and stay on the call. I don't know how much time we have. Ooh, I would love that. Move you. I would rather go out having done something or try to do something really great. Make you laugh. I also sing about poop. I love to sing about poop. It's beautiful anonymous. One phone call, one hour, no names, no holds barred. Listen on Earwolf.com, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.com